0: Uh, before we begin our interview, I just wanted to uh, remind you we have a survey ongoing right now on the question of the veteran lawmaker, a uh, longtime politician, Park ji being named a uh, chief of the National Intelligence Service. Uh, so we want to get your thoughts on the issue. You can text us uh, through your mobile phone at pound 1013. That's the sharp sign on your keypad. Pound 1013. It'll cost you 51. You can text us in Korean and in English. Basically, send us the number one if you think Paktiwan should have the job, and number two if you think it is not appropriate. You can tell us the reasons why, both in Korean and in English. We're going to read them out to you in our upcoming radio salon segment. So uh, definitely keep those uh, opinions coming in. We've gotten some interesting ones so far. We want to now uh, turn to our interview and talk about another concern, this uh, new swine flu strain identified by a team of researchers in China that has, quote, pandemic potential, Uh, But is this really a cause for concern? It's called the G4 virus. It's believed to be a strain of the H1N1 virus, as we remember that uh, caused the 2009 pandemic. It's carried by pigs, as uh, the name uh, implies. Some people are worried about the uh, human-to-human transmission potential as well. So to find out more about the G4 virus, we're pleased to welcome Professor Carl Bergstrom from the Department of Biology at the University of Washington on the line. Hello. Hello.
1: Hi, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you for joining us, Professor. Uh, First, can you tell us what we need to know about this study on the G4 virus conducted by these uh, Chinese researchers?
1: Well, I think the important thing to keep in mind about this particular study is that it's part of a long-term screening and uh, surveillance effort to, to keep an eye on the possible... Uh, viruses that could be responsible in the future for flu pandemics, and so this is not a sort of urgent, sudden discovery that's been made. But what they've found actually is they've been looking at viruses that have been circulating in pigs for uh, the last five years or so, um, and they've found that well, I think they've been looking even a little longer than that, and they've found that uh, you know this particular G4 virus has become quite common uh, in swine, and, uh, and and that it's been highly prevalent for the last four, five years. So. The, the key thing to keep in mind is that this is not some you know, breaking uh, news from 2020 that this new strain has suddenly emerged, but rather the surveillance system is working. They're saying here's here's one strain that we might want to be watching for the future, and that uh, you know we'll want to definitely keep an eye on to see if um, it starts to spread among people. Right now there uh, it has infected people, but there's no evidence that it spread from one person to another, which is when we start to get really worried.
0: So for those of us who uh, aren't epidemiologists or, or uh, have the technical uh, expertise that you have, can, can you help us understand, so it, it, G4 and its links to H1N1, it, it's, a, it's a new strain. So uh, how, is it the mutation of H1N1 that has now brought about, as you say, in the past five years, uh, known to be uh, G4?
1: So uh, influenza is a really complicated virus because it has a a genome that is broken up into six different parts. They're like chromosomes. And what this one has is it has several of them are from uh, H1N1, uh, from the H1N1 strain that that circulated in 2009 and and, uh, gave rise to that flu. But then it has other uh, segments that are from other sources. So uh, from an avian source, for example, and then there's a third, uh, there's a as well, hmm. so this is sort of a—it's a mismatch of, uh, of different uh, segments from from different previous sources. The fact that it has these sources from the uh, 2000, these uh, you know um, segments from 2009 uh, gives us a sort of starting reason to suspect that it may be fairly well adapted for transmitting among humans and then the fact that it's got these other uh segments means that we wouldn't necessarily have immunity to it which is a cause for concern. So what the study did was uh you know notice first of all that this had become quite common in in pigs uh over the last 5 years and then it went on to show that uh indeed this strain can grow in human cells um uh, that was done in cell culture so it was just you know cells in a dish it can grow in those cells. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it can uh, um, and it can grow in ferrets which are used as a uh, models for human flu transmission. they're more like humans in terms of uh, in, in terms of what flus we can get than in many species. And then they looked to see whether there was any evidence that people that worked with pigs had uh, contracted this virus. And they found that about uh, 10% of the people who worked um, in that industry had antibodies against this virus, which means that they've been um, exposed to the virus and uh, you know, had. Um, a small infec- as you know some kind of infection, presumably that generated an antibody response, so it suggests that uh that it can at least sort of, you know, get a foothold in a person. But what we haven't seen is any outbreaks where we start to see clusters of people getting sick. Mm. Uh, there are only actually two documented cases where people got sick with symptoms that were, you know, severe enough that anybody went to a doctor and, and, and got a flu test and found out that, oh, it was this strain. And uh, in those two cases, there were no known transmissions. And so what we've got here is we've got a viral strain that has been... Um, that, that, that's now quite common um, on these on these pig farms because uh, this is a uh, you know, the, the pigs are a common reservoir from which flus can move into humans, pigs, and ducks and several other uh, livestock species. Um, and, and so it's common in it's common in that in in those pigs. Uh, it has some of the characteristics that we would associate with. Uh, uh, Potential human uh, flu strain that could cause the next pandemic, and we don't have immunity in the human population. And so, all of those are markers for concern. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, what we don't have is actual transmission mm-hmm. from human to human, which is sort of the outbreak that we'd be really, really worried about. And in fact, we know that. Uh, that there have been many cases in humans without that happening. So, you know, it's been going on for a while. So, you know, what it, what it says basically is, yeah, if this thing evolves in certain ways, it could start to spread in humans and could cause the next flu pandemic. And so this is one to watch. But it, what it's definitely not saying is that this is, you know, the the actual start of the, of the next event. And the thing to keep in mind is that while well, this is one possible strain, there are a lot of things like this that, that rise up and then go away. Um, and there 's other ones that sort of come out of nowhere and surprise us, so while this is a very good one to watch it 's not necessarily going to be the next big one and uh and um and and you know we need to be watching other places as well
0: right and so I think the main point is there 's so much we don 't know, and so the Chinese researchers when they 're saying that uh, uh this could cause a future pandemic, uh, that's uh, really contingent on that one key factor that you point out is the human to transmission, human to human transmission factor, which has not been established yet.
1: Right, we have not established that, and we have, because it's been, because there are so many people that have antibodies for it, we have every reason to suspect that that doesn't happen very easily because we've, people seem to be getting repeatedly exposed from the pigs um, and not triggering these sorts of outbreaks. And so right now we're looking at a virus that in its current state probably does not spread well among people. And then the real fear is that it gets a mutation or it reassorts and gets one of those segments from some other source that gives it the capacity to spread well. And that's what the researchers are really flagging. And it's part of the ongoing yeah. surveillance system that we're using to try to stay ahead of these things. The other thing I want to just you know, remind people about sure. is that we do know how to make vaccines against flus. It's, just, it's a much easier problem to solve than COVID. Uh, you know, we do it every year. We could include this strain in our uh, seasonal vaccine if we thought it was likely to break out. And uh, so it's more, it's more a timing issue of just yeah. watching this one and making sure that if it does start to spread, it's in the vaccine, rather than anything like COVID, where we're faced with you know developing a vaccine to a brand new um, virus
0: from scratch. Well, uh, some words of comfort there. Uh, it, as it is being highlighted by what you're saying and what we know about COVID-19 so far is that, quite frankly, we, there's so much still we, we are still learning with the coronavirus, COVID nineteen, and and how it affects humans, how, how the transmissions go, how the um, the development of a vaccine is going to be uh, possible or not. So uh, with the uh, caveat aside that it's a lot easier to uh, treat this kind of a flu uh, compared to something like COVID-19, we're we're at a point, though, with with this global pandemic that we're facing with COVID-19 that in the worst case scenario, just like these Chinese researchers saying that it's a potential new pandemic, if it's coinciding with, uh, again, a second or third wave of COVID-19, it really will put our entire global system to the test, right? it would
1: be a really big challenge um you know one one other you know it's it's perhaps small comfort but one other thing that uh, is 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 you know possibly would we, we, keep it from being as, as bad as it could conceivably be, um, if if they both were happening at the same time. Is that we're already doing a lot of the things to control COVID that would also control the uh, would control a pandemic flu virus. So we're social distancing, people are taking sort of extraordinary hygiene measures, um, and uh, so um, it's it's in. Entirely feasible that the control measures, right. you know, most of the control measures that we're taking for, for for COVID right now, because we don't have a vaccine and we don't really have, uh, you know, early stage uh, pharmaceutical therapies, and the control measures we're all taking are these sort of non non-specific, um, you know, distancing interventions and and yeah. and, and hygiene interventions, and so uh, to some degree, you know, COVID is probably a somewhat more transmissible virus than than. Um, than any new flu strain. I mean, we don't know for sure, but uh, but in general, flus tend to have lower R okay. values, lower transmissibilities than, than than COVID does. And so it might be that whatever we're doing to control COVID actually would be quite effective okay. already in, in keeping a new flu pandemic to a minimum. I think it's okay. more likely that, uh, that we would stop uh, you know we get past covid and all breathe a big sigh of relief and yeah. then we'll be all of a sudden looking down the barrel of a of a flu
0: well uh, hopefully uh we can uh, uh, adhere to that to more optimistic scenario professor burstrom thank you so much for joining us appreciate it
1: thank you have a good day